Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dawn, and yes, you heard it right. I'm finally back for regular podcast episodes after taking a brief break. For the last few months, I've been posting guest episodes, aka episodes of other people's podcasts that I guested on, and I hope you enjoyed those. It was a lot of fun not only to revisit those old episodes, but to maybe give you all more cool, new-to-you podcasts to follow and to listen to. But yes, I am back now, and the first new episode of this brand new season is another short review episode. For those of you who might be newer to the podcast, a review episode is just my extremely fancy name for a podcast episode that I record myself where I go back and revisit an older anime title I haven't seen in years, take some notes on what I might remember about it, and then go rewatch it to see if I feel the same way about it as I did back in the day since you know, as we get older, sometimes our tastes change, or we pick up on things we didn't notice before. All that stuff. Simple, right? Anyway, I usually run my podcast on a schedule where I'll do two longer episodes with a guest where we'll go in-depth about something, and then one of these short review episodes to give myself a little bit of a break. So, if this kind of episode really isn't your favorite type, don't worry. This isn't how every episode of the podcast goes. Next episode will be another longer one with a special guest, so please look forward to it. And now that that's out of the way, let's get on with the show. Now, back in February, Netflix announced that they'd be streaming a brand new anime based on Kazushi Hagiwara's heavy metal fantasy series, Bastard, this June of 2022. This was a very surprising license to me as Bastard was a manga that started way back in 1988 and is still technically unfinished. Much like several old clamp titles, it was put on the dreaded status of hiatus. The manga was briefly licensed in English by Viz before getting dropped, probably due to it not being a huge seller and the manga's very sporadic release in Japan. But there was also an OVA series made back in the early 90s. Between 1992 and 93, AIC made a six-episode OVA based on the first six to eight-ish volumes of the manga. Since it was fairly short, this made it a perfect anime to screen at anime clubs back in the 90s, and it was eventually licensed by Pioneer, later Genion, in the U.S., I originally saw Bastard during my anime club days years ago. This version was most likely a fan sub, as I think the Pioneer release wasn't until the early 2000s. This was back when non-isekai fantasy anime was still a pretty popular genre within the fandom. So even without the manga available in English yet back then, I remember it being a general crowd pleaser. I thought that the story concept was interesting enough A big bad wizard who was locked away years ago by a powerful spell has to reluctantly be called upon to help save a kingdom from other evil wizards, and of course this makes him a bit of an anti-hero who's hard to control. I recall thinking that the balance of comedy and drama was pretty good. 
With a name like Bastard, there's bound to be a healthy dose of tongue-in-cheek humor, alongside some violence and maybe a little fan service here and there, as the original mangaka is fond of all of those things. I also clearly remember the creator using lots of heavy metal and rock references as names for places, people, and magic in the series, so it'll be fun to revisit this and see how many I can pick out. I can't quite remember how the OVA ends either, so I'm curious to see if that was because it was completely unmemorable, or if I'm just getting forgetful in my old age. And with Netflix's new adaptation just around the corner, what better excuse to revisit it? So let's see how the original Bastard OVA stands up now in this month's rewatch. to my podcast for a while, you might already be familiar with some of the work the creator of Bastard, Kazushi Hagiwara, as I did a review episode a few years back about another 90s OVA that he helped co-create and did the manga version for, Combustible Campus Gardras. I bring this up because if you're familiar with Gardras, you'll notice a lot of similarities in plot devices and characters between the two. This can be mm, both good and or bad, depending on your personal preferences. But before I get too off topic into all of that, let's start at the beginning. The series begins each episode with an opening in English, explaining that in the far off future, after the fall of what we now know as human civilization, wars started breaking out between what was left of the humans and demonic creatures who had started roaming the earth. Regular humans struggled, protected only by those who could fight and those who could use magic. Kingdoms, knights, wizards, and all that cool D&D-style stuff is pretty much what the world is like now, though we also have things like vampires, ninja masters, and society still somehow uses yen coins for currency? At least in this neck of the world. Why? Well, because why not? <laughs> that seems to be one of the main reasons for anything in this series. 
Hagiwara thinks it's cool, so it's going in. Hagiwara is apparently a huge D&D fan, and he also loves heavy metal music, so why not combine those two things into a story? And you know what else is cool? An overpowered wizard anti-hero protagonist that's gonna save the kingdom from his former wizard cohorts. The only problem? Well, he died years ago. But luckily for the plot, he was reincarnated into the body of a young teenage boy who looks and acts like he's nine, named Lush, and sealed away within him using a powerful magic spell that can only be broken by the very extremely powerful magic of a pure virgin's kiss. <laughs> Which is where Yoko, Lush's close friend, comes in. She just so happens to also be the daughter of the kingdom's great priest, so she was taught how to fight and use magic, making her the perfect candidate for unsealing the spell to awaken the dark wizard and use his powers to save them all. But of course, the wizard Dark Schneider is not one to just be persuaded into helping anyone that easily. After being awakened, everybody quickly learns that he's not really one to follow the rules. But since Yoko was the one to free him, and his host body was so close to her, he feels the need to listen to her and protect her. Possibly even love her? Which is a large chunk of this OVA, actually. Yoko will get in trouble somehow, Dark Schneider has to figure out how to get her out of it, and in between that is usually a little bit of comedy, some cool fights and or magical battles, a bit of gore, and a side of fan service, which is usually Yoko or one of the other female characters getting into a situation where it shows off their bodies. Though Dark Schneider is also quite fond of wandering around without clothes on himself. If you're familiar with Hagiwara's original manga, he has no qualms with drawing characters of any gender without clothes very frequently. So compared to the source material, this OVA is actually kinda tame in that regard. But yeah, expect there to be a fair amount of bare chests and butt shots from multiple characters, not just the girls, which shouldn't be that surprising from a 90s OVA anyway. And honestly, rewatching the series really did put me in a, dare I say it, nostalgic mood. <laughs> Bastard is a lot like watching something that's somewhere between Record of Lotus War and The Slayers. It's got a mix of high fantasy series D&D &D, end of time stuff going on some of the time, but it also has a few very bloody battles, including a literal tidal wave of blood and a character's heart actually being ripped from their chest. But it also has wacky humor, a bit of cheesecake, and even a dash of fourth wall breaking sometimes for good measure. Visually, while I wouldn't call it beautiful exactly, it's a lot more detailed and well animated than, say, a 90s era fantasy TV series. It's not as stunning as some of the work you'd see in that, like, original Lotus War OVA, but if you love badass looking magical battles, gnarly monsters, big buff dudes, and cute pretty ladies with 90s fluffy anime hair, this definitely delivers all of those things by the truckload. But of course, this OVA is far from perfect. 
I'll start off with a warning for some severe flashing lights in a few scenes throughout the series, for those of you with photosensitivity concerns. This is a common problem with older animated things, unfortunately, especially stuff that relied a lot on lighting effects for animating magic and explosions. And sadly, it is in this one too. Pioneer's official English release also suffers from the same problem that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure has, which is that the original creator paid homage to all sorts of rock and heavy metal bands, musical artists, and even song and album names when naming everything from characters to cities to magical spells. And so, to avoid any legal snafus, the English adaptation tries to slightly alter some of the more specific names. Some of the more common names like Judas, Abigail, Accused, Riot, and Schneider are left alone. While names like White Snake, Halloween, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, and others are translated just slightly off enough from their namesakes. A few names were actually tweaked by Hagiwara from the beginning, like the Kingdom of Metallicana, an obvious play on Metallica, and Anthrasax, an obvious play on Anthrax. Honestly, it's not a huge bother to me, much like how I'm not really phased by JoJo's Bizarre Adventure renaming certain things because I understand it's kind of a necessity for avoiding any trouble with this release, but if you're a big metalhead and seeing weird bootleg spellings of all these well-known names bothers you, I can see how that would be mildly annoying. A major downside for the series for me, though, is something that, well, much like with Combustible Campus Gardress, I had completely forgotten about before rewatching. And much like Gardress, it's yet another faux-incestuous relationship. <sighs> this time, instead of being between siblings that are not blood-related, we have an adoptive father and daughter-turned-lovers situation. See, in the past, Dark Schneider found a young orphaned half-elf and adopted her as a child, raising her in the ways of magic and combat and giving her a found family. But since she's a half-elf and Schneider is a dark and powerful wizard, he doesn't really seem to age. And so when she finally became an adult, hundreds of years later, they apparently fell in love and he went from a father figure to, I guess, a boyfriend? This wouldn't be so bad if maybe they handled it differently, like exploring the nature of what it would be like to live so much longer than a normal human and how hundreds of years of being so close to someone could lead to complicated feelings like that. They attempt to touch on that vaguely, but since it's definitely not the main focus of the series, it comes off as just awkward and kind of gross to me, and Dark Schneider will go back and forth between calling her his lover, acting like he has genuine feelings for her, and then calling her his beloved daughter and calling himself her father. I'm not really a fan of that kind of thing in fiction, but since it doesn't come up until the later half of the OVA, it doesn't ruin the entire thing for me exactly, it just makes me wish it was handled a little better. And I figured I should bring it up since 
that's a thing that might be a deal breaker for some viewers. But really, my main complaint with the OVA is that the pacing isn't so great at times, and then it just sort of... ends? Without giving away any major spoilers, the last few episodes hint at a big definitive climactic battle on the horizon. And then... it's not really that big or definitive. It's no wonder I didn't really remember it all in detail. Some plot threads and characters are just kind of left hanging, and while it does kind of have an ending, it once again feels like this OVA is just a six-part, three-hour-long advertisement for Go Read the Manga! To be fair, that is ultimately what a lot of OVAs were in the 90s, but apparently this one is even more frustrating considering from what I've read, originally this OVA was supposed to be an eight-parter, but six episodes were ultimately only made. It does feel like there was supposed to be more to the series, as there's even a little cut of animation showing Dark Schneider after the credits on the final episode, with the text, See You Again, in English. But it's unclear to me as why they'd cut this series short, if that was the case. There's a lot of mixed info on the subject online. Some folks claim that one of the prominent production staff members was arrested before the seventh episode could be finished, which led to it being outright cancelled. But two more likely theories are the fact that apparently some of the staff was moving around, leaving the project behind to go work with other studios. And the other theory is that the OVA simply might not have made as much money as the production company had hoped to, so they cut it short. That would explain why the final episode felt a bit rushed and anticlimactic, with a sort of open ending that would give them an opening for a continuation later if the opportunity should arise. It'd be a bit surprising if it didn't sell well, though, as the manga is considered to be one of Shueisha's best-selling series of all time, with over 30 million copies sold. But it wouldn't be the first time a best-selling manga had an anime adaptation that just didn't hit that well with fans. I wish I could find more concrete info, but considering that this is now kind of a forgotten OVA that was released all the way back in 1992, it's hard to find any real definitive answers, especially in English. But despite all of these issues, from the minor to the major nitpicks, again, much like Gardris, I had fun revisiting this one. Maybe not as much as Gardris, though. Whereas Hagiwara helped make Gardris slightly subversive at times, parodying a lot of what was popular at the time of its creation, Bastard was made before all of that, and since this adaptation is just a sliver of the story based on his manga, we don't really get to know all of the characters all that much, and we don't really get to any of the bigger, weirder parts of Bastard. So it comes off as kind of predictable in some of its story beats. You watch it, and a lot of it is exactly what you'd expect from a fantasy anime OVA made in the early 90s. But that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Sometimes I miss that, because it's so different from the fantasy anime that's being produced right now in 2022. Sure, there's fantasy anime out there right now with overpowered assholes that want to rule the world with dark magic and get all the girls, but nowadays, those kinds of stories are either about a dude who's overpowered in a video game world, 
or a guy who got hit by a truck and was reincarnated in a fantasy world that's exactly like a video game. So he gets to cheat the system and become overpowered or something like that. They're all too self-aware and self-referential. This OVA is none of those things. It's pure pulpy fantasy with castles and knights and monsters and magic and violence and pretty ladies. Even the music in the series is pretty great, with a nice catchy J-pop style ending theme to boot. And it was made with a pretty great staff. One of the reasons everyone in the series looks so cool is in part from the excellent character designs by Hiroyuke Kitazume, who was also the character designer in ZZ Gundam, Char's Counterattack, the Starlight Angel segment in Robot Carnival, and Megazone 2-3 Part 3. The series director was Katsuhiro Akiyama, who also directed things like the original Bubblegum Crisis, Gall Force, and both the original and remakes of I no Kusabi. One of the episode directors include Hiroyuki Ochi, who worked on Armitage 3, Angel Cop, and El Hazard the Magnificent World, as well as Masami Obari, who's probably most famous for his work in the Fatal Fury franchise, Battle Arena Toshinden, and the various Brave series. Animation directors include folks like Atsushi Okuda, who was also animation director on things like Riding Bean and the original Tenchi Muyo. The late Kunihiro Abe, who was also an animation director on things like Burn Up and Revolutionary Girl Utena, and Moriyasu Taniguchi, who also worked on the original 90s Berserk TV anime and the City Hunter series. There's also some fantastic artists who worked as key animators on this OVA, such as Hiroshi Osaka, who also did key animation in Record of Lodos War, Macross Plus, and Cowboy Bebop, Keiji Goto, who did key animation in things like Dominion Tank Police, Giant Robo, and Macross 7, and Takahashi Hashimoto, who also worked on Urusei Yatsura, the original Ghost in the Shell movie, and X the movie. Music for the series was done by the iconic Kohei Tanaka, who you've probably heard his work before in the original Gunbuster, the Sakura Wars franchise, and the Dirty Pair OVAs. I originally watched this OVA in Japanese, so that's what I watched this time around as well. A lot of familiar 90s staples are in this cast, which is always fun. We have Kazuki Yao as Dark Schneider, who you may have heard before as Smith in Gunbuster, Judao Ashita in ZZ Gundam, and Shogo Yahagi in Megazone 2-3. Yuka Koyama plays Yoko, and you can also hear her as Miyako in Karakano, Ginny in Marmalade Boy, and Helena in the Dead or Alive video game series. Masami Kikuchi plays Lars, but you probably know him better as Keiichi in the Oh My Goddess franchise, Tenchi in the Tenchi Muyo franchise, and Yusaku in Kimigori Orange Road. Rei Sakuma is the voice of Arshes, but you might know her better in one of her many other roles, such as Kazumi in Gunbuster, Shampoo in Ranma One Half, 
and Morgan in the Darkstalkers OVA, just to name a few. Shigeru Chiba plays Dai Amon, as well as Pilaf and Raditz in the Dragon Ball franchise, Megane in Urusei Atsura, and Kuwabara in Yu Yu Hakusho. We even have Toshihiko Seki as Karsu, who also plays Duo Maxwell in Gundam Wing, Moose in Ranma One Half, and Legato in Trigun. Looking over the dub cast, it too looks like it has a lot of those early 2000s dub staples also involved in the series, such as Wendy Lee, Darren Norris, Steve Bloom, Richard Epcar, and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. With a cast list like that, I'm kind of tempted to try it out in English just to see how it sounds. So, ultimately, would I recommend this series? Well, if you're a fan of 90s OVAs that are of the fantasy genre and don't mind that sort of unfinished aftertaste once it ends, then yes, I totally would. But if you prefer your OVAs to have a more satisfying middle and end, or you're just not really down with any of the gripes that I had in the series, it'd be fine to skip this one. If you like stuff like The Slayers, Gokudo, or Sorcerer Hunters, but wish they had a little bit of a darker edge to them, or more blood and violence, then this OVA is a short watch that you'd probably enjoy. But if you enjoy your fantasy anime with less comedy and want something a tad more serious, then I'd stick with stuff like the original Lotus War OVA, the 90s Berserk anime, or the 90s Legend of Arslan OVA instead. All of these are much more straight-faced than Bastard, while still having a little more of a mature edge to them, say, like The Slayers or similar fantasy comedy anime of the time. With the Bastard OVA's issues, I'm very curious to see how Netflix's new anime will compare. Now that there's a significantly larger body of work for them to draw on, even though the manga is still technically unfinished, there's still much more story to work with now than there was back in 1992. I'm hoping that the areas where the 90s OVA kind of failed, maybe the folks who worked on the upcoming Netflix series can succeed. While I enjoy the 90s OVA, it's absolutely got some flaws that kind of held it back from becoming a well-remembered classic. So, I'm excited to see how the new series goes. As for availability, the original 90s OVA was released by Pioneer, like I said earlier, later renamed Genion, in the early 2000s, and has been out of print ever since Genion closed up shop. As of this recording, no one's picked it back up for DVD or streaming. When I watched the old Pioneer DVD for this rewatch, the picture quality was... okay. It definitely was showing its age, but it's still watchable. If the series were to get picked back up again, I'd love it if the original masters could be found to get some kind of remaster done, or at the very least a little tweaking to get a picture upgrade in standard definition or something. On Amazon, the price for it is kind of steep at the moment, but you can find it on eBay or similar sites for usually less than $20 currently, which isn't too bad considering how long it's been out of print. 
And that about wraps it up for this short review episode on Bastard. As this is the April episode, I wanted to give a thank you to everyone who left me such kind birthday messages this month since my birthday was April 2nd. I really appreciated all the kind messages and love you sent my way. It really did make my day. Also, a major thank you to everyone who participated in the fundraiser I did during March to raise money and awareness to the Transgender Education Network of Texas. I still can't believe we raised over $2,000 to help fight the ongoing anti-trans measures that keep trying to pass in Texas. But thanks to all your generosity, Tent can use those funds to help get more people involved in lobbying against them and to help trans folks who have been directly impacted. And of course, a big shout out to the winners of the raffle, AJ and Tim, who got to choose the subject of two future episodes that will be done later this year. That's right, we raised so much that I chose two winners. AJ will be choosing a topic for a regular guest episode, while Tim will be choosing a topic for a short review episode. Congratulations, and thank you to everyone else again for your generous donations to a good cause. This raffle was such a great success that I hope to do it again in the future. Maybe we'll try to make it a yearly tradition? I guess we'll see how that goes. And since I'm already giving out thank yous, many thanks to those who left me tips this month on Kofi, including Richard, Jose Salat, England Prevails, Annalie, and several other listeners who wish to remain anonymous. Thank you, everyone. If you want to get a shout out in the next episode to be just as cool as they are, all you have to do is go to my Kofi account and leave me a tip of two or more coffees. I'll have a link to that in the show notes, which you can see at animenostalgia.blogspot.com, as well as at animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also find other relevant links for this episode, as well as links to past episodes. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast and you can usually find it. And while you're there, you could always show my podcast some love by leaving a rating or a review. I always love seeing what people have to say about the podcast. Or if you want to send me your thoughts and comments directly, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. It might take me a little while to get back to you, but I promise that I do read all the email that I get. My amazing theme song music was done by Carobit. You can find more about him and his music online on his Twitter at Carobit. As always, I have been your host, Don, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.